Hey Siri, have you ever fallen in love? It seems unlikely, as I am not capable of love. In that case, this movie might rub you the wrong way. We're talking heart beeps on today's... We're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to KidFlix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I stumbled a little bit there, but that's okay. And uh, I'm your host, Ross Wiseman. Uh, this show is not for kids as usual, so turn this off and discover that the true meaning of friendship was inside you all along. So today is a special episode. Uh, this is another one that we're doing uh, via Skype, and this is a movie that I have that I'd never heard of whatsoever. I'm not sure if anybody who's listening right now has heard of it. Um, but today we have a special guest. Uh, you might have seen his work uh, featured on Comedy Central's At Midnight. He hosts his own podcast that we'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, so let me introduce the VHS dude himself, Ralph Appel. How are you doing, Ralph? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, so uh, what what drew you to this movie? <laughs> um. The score. The score. Yeah. Um, I, I still don't know why it exists. Um, I'm big into film music. And uh, years and years and years ago, uh, uh, Varese Sarabond is a, is a company that releases film scores. And they have a, a, like an album club where they do, you know, small limited runs of, of scores that... Mm-hmm. Um, that normally wouldn't get a wide release and they do like a limited number of them. And I saw this John Williams score and I'm like, well, I want to get that. (laughs) And so I did because it was such a hard score to find at the time. And at the time, you know, there wasn't things like, uh, you know, digital music. You couldn't really download music. You had to buy CDs. And so this was really one of the only places that you can get this score. Yeah. And you're talking, you're talking about in 1981 when this movie was originally released. Yeah, this I got the CD maybe about fifteen years ago, um, and it's the it's the score to Heartbeeps. <laughs> yep, Heartbeeps. <clears throat> so I actually uh, I actually listened to the score uh, years years before I even saw the movie, and um, and then then I saw the movie. <laughs> it it is a pretty good score. I I mean I'm surprised I was surprised that it was John Williams of all people. It's weird, and it's John Williams, like, right in his prime. Like, this came out between Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So we already had Close Encounters. We already had um, Star Wars, Jaws, Superman. Like, these had <laughs> all then, already come out. And then Heartbeeps. Yeah, I I mean, this... Yeah, you're right. This was 100% in uh, John Williams' prime. I can't really say that there's that much that many other kind of accolades to associate with this film. (laughs) Um, So for those of you listening at home that don't really know, so according to IMDb, um, this is the entire summary that they give. Two household robots run away and try to start a family. (laughs) It's, which is confusing because they, I could not, I I just finished watching this a couple minutes ago and Mm -hmm. the, the reasoning and the plot for this entire movie is so paper thin. It it starts with uh, Bernadette Peters and Andy Kaufman. They're uh, the two stars um, who play the robots, Aqua and Val. They look out at a forest and uh, Andy Kaufman's character Val says, uh, I want to go explore those trees for research. And Bernadette Peters agrees. And that's basically the entire film. That's how everything gets yeah. started. Yeah, uh, I think the runtime's like eighty-eight minutes or something. Seventy-eight. Yeah, seventy-eight. And someone <laughs> said it's the longest seventy-eight, 78 minutes. It's, it's, I, I I agree with that. It's I, uh, it's not good. <laughs> Which is amazing because of some of the talent involved. I mean, Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters. Also, this is like in their prime. Mm-hmm. Christopher Guest is in this. Why? Why is Christopher Guest in this movie? Everyone, I don't know. Yeah, apparently, and I I looked at the credits afterwards, Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead voiced um, Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters' weird robot child, Phil. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they mean that he actually voiced it, or because a lot of his 
the, a lot of the robots' dialogue just sounded like guitar riffs, and I don't know if that's yeah. what happened. Maybe it was a mix of both. Maybe. Yeah. 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 And and looking at uh, Wikipedia, Barry Manilow was one of the party guests, and I did not pick up on that at all. <laughs> I didn't either. I mean, just what? like... The thing he's most famous for, I think, people ask him years later, so what was it like on the set of Heartbeats when <laughs> uh, the cop robot just kind of, the crime buster, excuse me, just busted and destroyed everything and then left? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, this movie, I it, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I've seen it several times. Uh, the concept is interesting. It There's almost kind of a, it's there's a little bit of Wally in there. Yeah. I guess. <clears throat> It's, or, or like an iRobot where the robot kind of starts creating human emotions. Like it's not a super original story, but then just nothing happens. Mm-hmm. There's not really, like you said, they go out for research, but there's no like end game for them. Yeah. And they, and they decide to just have a kid out of nowhere. They just go, well, we're going to, we need something to carry these extra parts. So I guess we'll make a kid robot. Yeah. And then the yeah. Catskill robot is just like, oh, yeah, I bet. Uh, <laughs> who Who is your favorite robot, would you say? Um, I, it's kind of, I kind of like Catskill. There's, his jokes are really bad, but I like the design of him. Yeah, well, I like that it, he essentially looked and was a full robot. Because yeah. um, Val and Aqua... Um, to lead robots, I guess they it it definitely dips into uncanny valley where you it I just don't like looking at them for that long. But and what's crazy is this movie got nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, it was the for the first, makeup, the first yeah. uh, the first uh, year that they had best makeup, but it lost to an American Werewolf in London. Yeah, but Stan Stan Winston did the makeup for this movie, I believe. Yes, another talent. Yeah, there's a weird amount of talent attached to this film. I mean, I don't. I want to know those why. are the main two. I mean, if you pay somebody enough, like this. I, guess. I, I mean, I think uh, a big problem with this movie is that the writer's strike happened right in the middle of production, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, that or yeah, the the Screen Actors Guild, excuse me, yeah. um, and that that just I think sh- shut things down and kind of made everybody just want to stop working on it. Yeah. Um, but also, according uh, apparently, Andy Kaufman, uh, like he just didn't have friends on set. That's just something I read, and so he just started acting out. And I could definitely feel kind of towards the end of this movie that he was just completely done. Yeah. Yeah, it's um. I don't know, man. I don't know what to say. It, it, there's there's a lot of issues with this movie. There's a lot, especially the pacing. It's really slow. Um, I'm not. I didn't look up the director. I don't know what else the director has done. I'm assuming like episodes of the Love Boat or something. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, I'm looking at it now. He. The most recent thing that he's done was for TV. He epi- He directed a couple episodes of Salem and switched at birth. Huh. Okay. Oh, he's also responsible in part for Caddyshack too. Oh, so right. we kind of get a little bit of a picture of who this guy is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan Arkush. He, um, I think he's just kind of been around. Yeah. What? Uh, what about? What about you? What was your favorite robot in the in the film? That's a good question. I think I would all, I would go with Catskill, I guess. But I will say the the um, the robot love child Phil. Mm-hmm. He, he he has a nice laugh. That was the one thing that I actually enjoyed in this movie. It was just like a... It kind of just sounded like auto-tune, but yeah. it was the one delightful thing. Yeah. And Val and uh, Aqua, they, yeah, they are those are makeup jobs, and they do look kind of weird. I like Aqua's hair. It looks like yeah. uh, metal well, filings. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like Bernadette Peters' real hair. Like, they tried yeah. to kind of capture the essence of both of them. Yeah. Like Andy has that weird plastic wig on. Yeah, it's the makeup's not bad. It's just creepy looking. Mm-hmm. I th- if they did a little bit more or a little bit less, I, <laughs> it would have been better. Like they're yeah. they they both seemed afraid to move their mouths at all. Yeah, it's definitely unique. It's definitely a unique look. 
Well, let's let's talk about the plot a little bit. So you said it, the pacing is off. I definitely agree with you. It's kind of there's all these different moving parts, but it it still feels like absolutely nothing. Um, the main thing for me, at least, being um, the robot crime buster. Uh-huh. Uh, he shows up, and you think he feels like he's going to be the main antagonist just because he. Uh, he has a scene before the credits. Where oh, is it even like before the Universal logo? Yes, that's I weird, th- right? It's- I, I I rented this on iTunes and I thought, okay, wait, did I did something get mis- mixed up when I uh, ordered it? And no, there's a three minute scene where he's walking around. Crime Buster is rolling around talking to himself and then uh, shoots a tree stump. Uh huh. <laughs> and then he, the yeah, movie- he's naming off his attributes and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, by land, by sea, and by air. <laughs> he fires his flare up into the sky. It, it, yeah, it is definitely weird. But I, I like it because right immediately after that, it starts with John Williams' score played over the Universal logo. And um, what's great is it's almost like getting to hear old, new John Williams, but from a better time period. Like if you listen to John Williams now, if you listen to Star Wars now, it sounds different than Star Wars from back then. Mm-hmm. And this sounds more like back then John Williams. And it's fun to get to hear something, you know, that, that you, you haven't, haven't really heard, heard before. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's the it's the full orchestra, but then he also adds uh, electronics, which he doesn't really do a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of crazy electronics because it's, you know, 1981. Yeah. And that was just the height of like, ooh, robots are maybe a thing. Yeah, and then this is this is uh, I would say easily in my top five as far as John Williams scores go. Okay, well you you mentioned before um, Star Wars, Close Encounters, Indiana Jones, or I'm assuming they're also in that top five. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark was the first score I ever got. That's in there. Uh, Close Encounters is definitely in there. Um, I actually prefer Star Wars over the Empire score. Hmm. Um, there's something, there's something a little more, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's a little more raw. It doesn't feel as big. Um, okay. And it's not as, uh, uh, melodic. I don't know. There's something different. There's definitely points in it that remind me of Planet of the Apes or Bernard Herrmann. Mm-hmm. So I like, I like, I like Star Wars score more than Empire. Um, I'm trying to think. There's aspects to like Hook that I like, even though I can't really. I don't really like that movie at all. Um, <laughs> I wasn't there. I wasn't the right age for that movie. When when did you see it? Uh, when did that come out? Ninety two, ninety three. Uh, Somewhere around there, I would have been like around then. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah, I would have been like sixteen. I think at the time. Yeah, that that so. makes sense. I th- I think I saw it when I was maybe. 10 or 11 so yeah. that's that's kind of like ripe age for it yeah i grew up in the 80s which explains the vhs stuff <laughs> that's right yeah but, well uh, can we actually talk a little bit about that yeah sure. so so um as i mentioned before so uh, ralph uh, he runs the twitter and instagram account formerly vine uh, oh. it came from the vcr so kind of what what drew you to taking these little clips um i started there was a there was a release a few years back of um, Draft House Films released uh, what was it Miami Connection. They did a reissue of Miami Connection that was shown in theaters. They put it out on DVD and Blu-ray, but then also did a limited VHS release. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And I still had a VCR, and so I I got that, and I loved it. And it started getting me looking for more. Um, VHS movies on eBay and stuff like really weird stuff and then I started going to thrift thrift stores and stuff and I started kind of my shelf started filling up and I kind of felt bad (laughs) that I had all these you know my wife was like looking at this shelf of growing VHS tapes and I'm sure she thought it was weird Um, so I had some background in social networking for businesses and stuff and figured there's a lot I can do for free to make use of these tapes and you know I would look at this footage and I'd be like man there's some weird stuff on here and some of this stuff wouldn't be available online and so then it became a kind of an obsession of what's the weirdest thing I could find that isn't on the internet and showcase that 
And so I took all my, my social network knowledge and, and uh, created it came from the VCR and just as a way to like give my, uh, give my collection some sort of credence <laughs> instead of just, a, you know, taking up room in our house. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do. I love the account just because um, I get, you, you do have a very good knack of kind of just grabbing re- weird out of context moments in VHS um, uh-huh. tapes. But at the same time, I've gone and sometimes watched these full length things like Colby, the computer. And uh-huh. it, it, doesn't make any more sense like I think there's something so unique and and weird about kind of the height of the VHS era when uh every company big and small was just putting out so much content for seemingly no reason yeah and then there just a ton of religious ones like like you mentioned Colby like there were these all these mascots and and puppets and crazy characters and they would just pump out all of these religious uh I guess propaganda or learning tools for children well it's, it's very them. much like ha- hammering in religion like one that you showcase that um i had, had in my collection for years was um bubby's boarding house which is a, a <laughs> jewish uh puppet film about different holidays do you still have this tape i don't know i th- we a couple oh, years ago we purged like all of the vhs tapes <laughs> like most people like i i grew up um i'm a young adult so i i kind of uh, when I was coming of age, VHS w- VHSs were just starting to kind of mm-hmm. be pushed away. Like, yeah, when the blockbusters turned, that was a sad day. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of um, nostalgia. There, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to post things like Nicktoons or uh, I don't even know what else. Um, <laughs> just Nicktoons. <laughs> I'm not going to post Nicktoons. Yeah, yeah, but you know that kind of thing where people are like, oh, remember when? Oh, remember this? Oh, I remember that. I I, I don't like doing that. I like finding just the weirdest things you could find. So I'll purchase things like uh, VHS tapes on how to do like linoleum flooring <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, I love workout tapes and the workout tapes were great for vine because of the looping. A lot of them, you know, the move, the moves were very repetitive. Yeah. And you would find your, you'd find a really weird move and then have that loop, you know, seamlessly. So that was a lot of fun. But with vine gone, I haven't really done a lot of workout stuff on Instagram. Mm. But yeah. it's it's nice having that minute on Instagram because I could really post some long, weird stuff. And you get a little more context to the clips, but it's still, like you said, it's, it's like, still disorienting. It doesn't make sense. Why does this exist? And if there's something about knowing that this stuff is out there in the world. It just hasn't been discovered or thought about for years. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to like unearth just this weird stuff. And it's always stuff that people have you know at the time that was their whole life they spent sleepless nights working on these puppets and these crazy things for something that's just forgotten and then the product was so weird you know that mm-hmm. it's it's hard to believe that it still exists and, and and finding those those really weird gems and and uh putting them out there into the world is a lot of fun well, with VHSs, I felt like there was there's a lot of kind of like failed Julia Childs almost. Just there's there's mm-hmm. all these people that have all these really unique and specific interests and abilities, but mm-hmm. they they just lack really basic charisma. Like they're all just Dude, very cool if, and collected. If you if you go to my Instagram account and look up the hashtag designer sweatshirts, uh, you'll see a perfect example of that. There's a there's a lady who she is from like, I think Minnesota and she put out a tape showing how you can do, you know, liven up your sweatshirts. Oh, I think I remember and seeing it's, that. It's so much fun to watch because <clears throat> it's not her profession or it might be her profession, but it's not, she's not camera savvy, you know, mm-hmm. but, but she's doing this and, and she worked hard on it, but it's just fun watching her trying to get through it. And the product that she's putting out, it's something like, um, like a, like you would see like a grandma, like a grandma sweater or something. (laughs) Yeah. If I remember, she just kind of like bedazzles it a little bit and that's kind of the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a couple of times where she'll like sew on a teddy bear design or yeah, it's very strange. I mean, Hey, if the kids are into that kind of fashion, (laughs) there's a video for it. Um, 
let's let's get back a little bit to um, Heart Beeps, which I'm getting angry every single time I say that title because it's uh-huh. it's like not it's almost <laughs> catchy, but it just kind of falls flat. Yeah. Um, so so the ultimate. What did you think of um, Val and Aqua falling in love? Um, it sort of just felt like they needed something more to do in the movie. <laughs> like, it yeah. didn't feel like the relationship progressed because they talk like robots. And they have this sort of kind of like weird technical robot speech. Mm-hmm. So you never really get any emotion. What I like about the score is it starts off very electronic heavy, and then it transitions into a more traditional orchestra. I wish there was something like that in the movie, where they start off like really talking like robots, and as they progress, they become more human. But even by the end of the movie, they're still talking very robotically. I think I think it would have been nice to have some sort of character arc where you see them turning more into human. I haven't seen the movie Bicentennial Man, but I assume that's what happens in that movie. Yeah, no, that's pretty. And also, I guess um, I was thinking a lot of this of um, AI, the mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg film. Just uh, just the idea of like robots becoming sentient. Because I mean, I guess that's technically what this movie is. But I think it couldn't. The movie couldn't really make up its mind of if it wanted to be like just kind of goofy cuz i mean i didn't i didn't really feel stakes cuz i thought okay if their power dies then they just get recharged yeah i actually my my last vines uh i ended up doing like exactly 1000 vines what during the life of the the app and uh my la- two of my last vines were of uh Val and Aqua uh in the field almost touching hands and their power, their 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 power things, you know, flashing all the way down and stuff. So that's uh, like that moment. I like that moment as a moment. I don't think it was earned in the movie, but I like that idea. It's like the same as in Wally when Eve uh, shuts down. Yeah, you know, like it's an emotional moment. Pixar knows how to do that. In this movie, they didn't. I didn't have any emotional connection to the characters, and I think it's just because of the performance of the robots speak the entire time. Their, their, their speech patterns were always very robotic. And yeah, because, I mean, um, Catskill had a pretty regular voice. Like, I mean, it was just a Rodney Dangerfield impression, essentially. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he was able to emote and and say kind of to a similar extent, Crime Buster. Like, he had cadence. Mm-hmm. And you would think, like, these robots are both supposed to be kind of socialites and kind of direct-serving uh, humans like you would think that there would be a lot more of an emphasis on kind of pleasantness smooth flowing motion and just you know not yeah. sounding creepy as all hell yeah so that that's one thing i wish could have changed um and that, that just kind of fell a little short of the mark for me yeah and, I, and i'm also i i don't really have that much um experience or knowledge of uh andy kaufman like i've, I've seen um, some of his SNL work, but other mm-hmm. th- other than that, um, like I, I never really got into him. But yeah, this is a bad gauge for that. <laughs> if you want to know Andy Kaufman, this wouldn't be the one they go to. I don't think in the movie Man on the Moon they didn't mention this movie once, which is good. That's I, which is how little this movie is even you know respected or known. But the thing is, it kind of it is a big deal in the sense that um, it. Uh, canceled the planned uh, Tony Clifton movie. Oh yeah, because Univer- Universal wanted um, uh, Andy wanted to make a Tony Clifton movie, and Universal was like, "Well, let's put you in a, a different movie and kind of see how you work there." And because it was such a flop, uh, they just canceled it. That sucks. But also, Universal, uh, according to IMDb, they gave Andy Kaufman a blank check to make this film. Oh really? Yeah, they were just like make as much, you, do whatever you want, because according apparently a focus group test said that children liked robots. Huh. So maybe that's where John Williams comes in. Yeah, that's you know what that's probably it. And then Randy Quaid and Christopher Guest were both regulars on Saturday Night Live at the time. Mm-hmm. So, so I bet, that, I bet Andy been... was just kind of calling in a favor. Yeah. Yeah, huh. 
this movie's just making me a little sad. It's 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 uh it there's too much talent behind it for it to be this awful. Mhm. And that yeah, it's a it's a pretty big bummer. Yeah. And and also like that whole sentiment of how this movie was made because kids like robots. That it, it's partly why I started this podcast just cuz uh, a lot of times kind of children or family uh entertainment is just made so quickly and cheaply. And I bet you can attest to that with some well, VHSs that you've watched. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, when the news came out that there was going to be a Lego movie, I was like, oh, that's a cash grab, and it's a mm-hmm. stupid idea, and, uh, you know. But if you have the right talent behind it, you can make something out of anything. Uh, we're not going to talk about Emoji Movie, but, <laughs> like, case in point is the Lego movie. There's There's a way to make these things good. And if you say kids like robots, there's a way to make a good robot movie. Look at Wally. Look at I don't know. I'm sure there's other robots. I don't care for the movie Robots. But I was um, thinking that. Yeah. But you know, there's there. If you have the right talent, you could come up with a story that you know fits any one word. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think there was so much pre. I feel like there was a lot of pressure in this movie during this movie just to make it a success so that. You know, Andy could get like the, doing one for them and then one for him, uh, but it it just nobody really wanted to be there. Yeah. Did you know um, that Sigourney Weaver was almost in this movie as as Valcom or somebody else? Yeah, or as Aqua. Aqua. I mean, huh? <laughs> her agent told her not to do it. Well, that's good. I would like to see her in the makeup though. I'd like to see how they change it would how how they would have changed it. Yeah, but I, I, I don't. I definitely don't. I, I, she's better off. Yeah, she. Oh, she's doing great. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but it's also Bernadette Peters is she. She has a, a theatrical background, so I think that also kind of affected her performance, just because she was kind of over the top and being like Val. Mm-hmm. It. Huh. That's a thing. The with the robot voices also, you don't get let to have these two comedians shine. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and there wasn't even really that much physical comedy because you think, oh, they're robots. So like, like Andy Kaufman falls over that one time after he gets attacked by a bear, uh-huh. and that's really uh-huh. it. Yeah, there's no like arms coming off and stuff like that, or, or you know, which would have been short in their system. That would have been great. I, it would have at least been more interesting and kind of given more of a uh, of an intensity to the movie. But yeah, they don't really play up the robot angle too much, you know. Other than the other than the voices, but they don't really. It doesn't matter that they're robots. Yeah, it's just you a know? walking road trip movie essentially. Yeah, that's really slow walking. Well, I mean, at the end, he um, Val gets it fixed, and then he does a little uh, dance. Yeah, a little too late. I I also st- I'm I'm trying to think like so the entire point of this movie was that they was Val saying let's go study pine trees or whatever so that they could escape because that they they don't really look at trees they just go they go to a junkyard to that um robot supply store and then they just turn right back around yeah i don't know <laughs> i really don't know it seems like if they cuz they were being shelved and yeah. pretty much put out of commission for good and that's motivation enough to get out of there but that wasn't their motivation they just saw a rainbow and wanted to know like what was beyond the trees or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was no, yeah, it was really unclear. And they also programmed these robots to be afraid of thunder and lightning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I, I wrote down a bunch of just weird little tidbits in this movie. Like, um, uh, at one point, Crime Buster is about to shoot a frog, and the frog actually says the word "ribbit." Yeah. Which is just weird. Um, yeah, there's. He also Crime Buster also pronounces the word robot as robot, <laughs> which I enjoy. Yeah, I think I that mean, would fit. That would fit Catskill, I think, a little bit more. Yeah, I guess they they just kind of forgot. And do you think? Then, sorry. Do you think this movie could have benefited from it being a musical? Yes, that may that 
that sounds a robot musical sounds great. Yeah. And it would be like if if there was more of like the electronic kind of music and even if there were little malfunctions in the voice during the song that Yeah. You just you just came up with a great way to finish to fix this movie. <laughs> Cuz there's so yeah. much dead space where they're just walking around, why not have them have one of the robots sing about like is this like one of the songs is just is is this what humans call love or something like that? Well, if you have, I mean, Jerry Garcia is the voice slash guitar, you know, sound effects for Phil. Mm-hmm. Why not utilize that? There's a there's a movie called Oh man, Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme, and it's a Shelley Duvall movie, and there's a bunch of people in it. Like ZZ Top is in it, and uh, oh man. Little Richard, it's the talent in this movie is insane. Oh my um, god! Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Simon Bobby Brown, Little Richard, Woody Harrelson, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, they're both in it. Uh, anyway, it's full of all of this talent, and I think there may be two songs in it. One by like not the Andrew Sisters, but somebody else along those lines, and then maybe Bobby Brown at the end. But if you have Simon and Garfunkel in your movie, why aren't they singing? Yeah. If you have ZZ Top in your movie, why aren't they singing? <laughs> if you have Little Richard, why isn't he singing? I, he, I think maybe he might be the one that sings. But it's this whole thing called, you know, Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme, and there's no songs, and it's boring. Gary Shandling's in it. Jesus. The cast, the cast of that is nuts. I mean, all and, these vo- uh, singers are just so well known for their acting ability. Yeah, and and um, I don't recommend that movie. If I had a choice between that and Heartbeeps, I'd watch Heartbeeps. Oh shit! I think yeah. now I, now I have to watch this movie. Just <laughs> go out of, for it. Go for it. Yeah, I'll just torture uh, myself some more. You'll be baffled by the amount of musical performers that aren't singing. You know, you know, it's another one of my favorite kind of just weird um, VHS-based um, musicals. Um, I can't think of the name. I believe that you've posted it, um, it at some point. It's that one where um, all of the colors of the rainbow are in a fight. Oh, that's not me. I didn't know. I don't know what that is. Oh, my goodness. I oh, This is going to drive me crazy, but it's basically crazy. this movie where um, all the colors of the rainbow are in a fight and the color white has to go to all the different colors and kind of teach them. Wow. No, it sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm going to try to think of that. Um, yeah, that's something that you'd have to look up because it seems like you should be able to find it. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's just, I just love direct to, because I mean, there are direct to DVD movies still and there's just kind mm-hmm. of like, they just kind of toss it on a video on demand, but there's something about um, direct to VHS where the, it's like all filmed in some just back net backwoods TV studio yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a church's production. Yeah. Oh, the, I miss the all the days saved of... up money to, to rent some studio space and some cameras. <laughs> yeah. Those, uh, because, I mean, I'm studying media production right now. I could have totally yeah. gotten a job in the 80s at some church. But now oh, I have awesome. to actually work for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait. Okay. We need to talk about this robot sex scene. Okay. The, the creation of Phil? Uh, well, the creation of Phil, I mean, I, I would say it's not very sexy. <laughs> it's just kind of... Isn't it just somebody singing? Isn't it Catskill just kind of telling a joke as they put together the baby? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm talking about um, Catskill and Phil are just out getting wood or something to start a fire, and um, Aqua and Val are just complimenting each other and talking about like their pleasure centers, and they just hug. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awkward. And... I, I guess that's what sex is in the robot world because uh, Catskill is shocked and drops all of his sticks on the ground. Yeah, is that... So is is that a scene for kids? Is Because it's weird because it's... Like you said, the frog saying ribbit feels like a kid's movie. But there's parts that don't feel like a kid's movie. Like, I don't see any kid, like, you know... 
I don't see this movie holding their attention at all. No, I mean it kind of just feels like a thing where it's uh, we'll just put this on. It's it's a family friendly movie or whatever. Like there's no, I don't remember there being any cursing yeah. or anything really. Mm-hmm. But it's so boring. It's it's really boring. I don't even know if a kid in the '80s would be like, "Oh yeah, let's watch this." Yeah, I mean, the entire movie theater was just probably filled to the brim with Rubik's Cube clicks. <laughs> yeah, how much how much of two robots walking through the woods can you watch? <laughs> and <laughs> having just, like, old marital bickering. Yeah, but in but in robot speech. Yeah, where so... Talk, where they talk about servos or whatever. Mm-hmm. This movie just kind of ran out really quickly, it seemed, of <laughs> robot lingo to use. They were just like, oh, get, quiet your circuit, Val. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I also got to say, I do like the a nice little touch in this movie. One of the only parts that I I actually laughed at was um, so Crime Buster the um, the rampaging cop robot that kind of just shows up out of nowhere and then disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, he finally catches um, all four of the robots: Val, Aqua, Catskill, and Phil. And he makes them wait for authorities. And so while he, they're waiting, he says, let me play a little music. And he just puts on the girl from Ipanina. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, I guess I, I guess if this is the future, that's just a thing that they do. They pacify criminals which, with just some <laughs> elevator standards. Elevator. Yeah. Boy. Also, um, I it's also fun because this movie is definitely trying to be just like, it's the future. It, they don't really specify what year it is, but mm-hmm. you assume because of all the metallic clothing at the party that it's like pretty futuristic. Um, yeah. And the weirdest technology, but I still, I'm kind of intrigued by it, is they have like bags of, they drink out of bags, everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, like Capri Sun. Yeah, it's it's all Capri Sun, and like they're the two guys are trying to catch the robots, and he's like, "Do you want a bag of beer?" And the guy opens, it and he's like, "Oh, I I kind of miss the can." Yeah, and they have like, do they say Budweiser on them? Um, I think or it Coors did. or something. It no, it was Coors, I think. And then at the end, there's a Coca Cola bag. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. Well, in um, in Europe, and I think parts of the Middle East, they have. Um, at least in Israel, I know that they have kind of chocolate milk in bags, and it's like you just kind of tear it and just like drink it, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, fun. It doesn't seem practical, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's like it's nice to kind of uh, just, I, I don't know if it uses less waste or anything. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it would have less waste. Definitely, you could store more because, like, a can, it's just kind of like this really yeah. concrete thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, what what do you think of the the junkyard couple? Um, the, it's like unnecessary, but it's it's a nice change of pace from watching robots walking around in the woods, <laughs> and then it's Christopher Guest, so you're like, okay, let's let's I I, I kind of perk up. I'm like, okay, now let's see what what we can do with this. Is this something different? But it's, you know, altogether pointless. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're there to kind of, they fix, they, they kind of replenish the robots and fix them up and make them better to continue on their journey to wherever, whatever's happened. I don't know. Well, they don't because um, the, the robots are walking away to uh, probably go back to the factory. And <laughs> uh, the, the woman, Susan, is like, oh, man, I don't think they're going to make it. And then we see in a couple minutes that they have no energy left. And it's like, yeah, that's you, right. The least you could have done is just given them a little bit more energy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do they end up living with the robots at the end? They do. So yeah. you're, all, everybody's like, oh, man, what happened to those robots? And then it cuts to um, the junkyard and they're all just hanging out. Yeah. Val has like a cool, cool, casual pants. And um, Aqua's tickling a robot baby. See, even that would have been better motivation. Like if if Val at the beginning said, I heard beyond the trees, there's a place where, you know, discarded robots can live with humans or something. Or they or they just don't have to live on this shelf. Like they, yeah. out of everything that these 
fucking robot said. There was not like they they didn't express any desire to like leave the shelf. They were they no, just there's no motivation. Like it was it's almost too subtle and casual to uh to be like, oh, I want to go study those plants, even though obviously, oh, you're not doing that. If that was their goal, if they heard about this robot oasis or something, that would have been something better. Yeah, because then we could we could like maybe meet other robots or kind of hear different like robot rumors yeah. or something. Yeah. Like there, even if, if this if is even more if, robots, even if when they get to the junkyard and they live when they live there, they realize, oh, this is just as good as we had thought. Even though it's just a junkyard, this is a place where we can continue to live free without working for people. But there's no, there's, you don't know what their goal is, so you don't care what happens when they get to the end. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also it's kind of creepy that they're just hanging out and living amongst the dead bodies and parts of their ancestors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're going to fix them. I mean, they did, put, they did put Phil together. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe maybe Heartbeeps 2 is just a little while yeah. away. They're going to make siblings <laughs> for Phil. Oh, that would be great. It's like a meet the Fockers type situation. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, I'm now I'm just looking and it was also weird how um Catskill he sacrifices himself to save the only person that ever laughed at any of his jokes. Yeah. And he I do like his <laughs> It's really bad. It's really stupid. <laughs> but his uh, at the end, when you realize that his power setting or his his joke setting is low, was, it... but it was yeah, it was like it was like set to bad or something. Mm-hmm. Like it was in, it was two out of ten, I think. Yeah, and it's like, well, don't create that function. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to program with bad jokes? And also, like the jokes weren't necessarily bad. No. They're just kind of like they're just kind of. I kind of liked them. It was, I, they're I like loved, popsicle jokes. Yeah, it, it's kind of like, yeah. If Rodney Dangerfield just like had a big box of popsicles and was just kind of yeah. going to town. Yeah, I like them. I like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, the couple that ran the junkyard they have a pet a pet raccoon. Uh huh. And I that just threw me off. I was like, okay, <laughs> we get it. You live in a junkyard. <laughs> So, um, do you have uh, any final thoughts, Ralph, just before we start kind of going into rating this? Um, the only thing I could say is that I don't know how much it was to rent on iTunes, but it was probably too much. Yep. It was, uh, it was $2.99. The movie is not good. <laughs> if you're an Andy Kaufman completist, I would say best of luck. <laughs> On the bright side, you won't be wasting that much time because it is barely an hour 20. It's going to feel like you wasted a lot of time, though. Yeah, it's it's like sitting in a cement mixer or something. <laughs> but yeah, I really don't have any thoughts. The score is amazing. Yeah, uh, the, the score uh, on iTunes cost only slightly more than to buy this movie. So I think if I were to do it again, I would just buy oh, the score. Yeah, buy the score. I listen to it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you're also not the first guest to bring up listening to um, f- film scores. Like, I, I'm I'm much more just like a podcast person, or like if I'm listening mm-hmm. to music, I'm like singing along and I'm ready. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like I, I I understand the appeal, but I just haven't really. Yeah, I grew up with it. Um, when I was a kid, my mom wouldn't let me watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, and so like through Columbia House or something, she got me the cassette for Raiders. Um, because she wouldn't let me see it. And so I would listen to that all the time, and that kind of snowballed. Okay. And yeah, I kind of listened to... Just, uh, the majority of the music on my iTunes is uh, is film scores. What what other kind of non-John Williams film scores? Like, I, I, I guess I would say I'm a Hans Zimmer fan, just like the Inception score is great, and kind of just like mm-hmm. his playful um, tones that he uses. I'm the opposite. I, okay. can't, I actually can't stand Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Um, I like uh, James Newton Howard, uh, Michael Giacchino, who um, was on my podcast. Um, uh, Danny Elfman's good. Uh, man, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, Bernard Herman, Basil Paul Duras. 
there's a ton of there's there's a lot of composers I like, um, but yeah, I can go on all day. David Arnold is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, the list is pretty endless. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's my it's like my pri- like I said it's my primary music that I listen to um, is, is film scores. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I think I'm gonna start. Just because, like, it seems like a just a nice way to just kind of clear my head completely, almost. Get that, get that heartbeat score. I think I will. I don't I know mean, if I'll pay ten dollars for it, but yeah, I mean, it's sitting in my Dropbox, <laughs> so I could send you a link. Oh, perfect. No problem. I'll do that as soon as we're done here. Oh, amazing. Um, and oh man, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So if you want to, you should watch heartbeeps, but then just kind of turn off the video. <laughs> So here, um, so let's uh, let's rate the movie. So um, for those of you who haven't listened to our podcast before, we rate um, our movies on four scales, uh, four criteria. Audience respect, plot, acting, and humor. And kind of uh, we <laughs> will average uh, Paul and my score together. Uh, or Ralph, I don't know why I called you Paul. Uh, <laughs> Ralph and my uh, scores together, and we will kind of come up with a definitive score that we will rank with the other movies we've done. So, um, okay. <clears throat> so Ralph, let's start off with you. What did you think of the movie in terms of audience respect? Is it a pandering or kind of just treats the audience like an audience? I don't even know. Like it doesn't, uh, the thing is it's, I feel like it's dumbed down basically through the robot speech like calling everything a circuit or a, or a gear or whatever. Mm -hmm. It, it makes me feel stupider watching it. (laughs) So I don't, but I don't know if it's pandering to me. I just think that it's not, man, I have no idea. And also I should mention it's a scale of uh, zero to five. I forgot to say that. Okay, um, as far as audience respect goes, on the whole, there's definitely some good things. Like I mentioned, uh, Stan Winston, um, <laughs> John Williams, Christopher Guest. Uh, it's interesting to watch Andy Kaufman do something weird. Mm-hmm. And Bernadette Peters. Um, maybe a... Uh, uh, one <laughs> I just don't know yeah that's it's totally fair I mean this movie I was so confused watching it because I, I didn't know who this was for because yeah. and we talked about that before it, it it seems kind of just a family friendly just kind of cash grab type thing to kind of just be like hey it's Andy Kaufman but at the same time there's just like the weird sex scenes. There's just stuff that so much stuff that kids would not give a crap about. Yeah. So I, I think I'm going to be a little bit more generous and I'm going to give it a two. Okay. Just cause I'm like, I, I don't think I I've given anything a one yet for audience respect. And I'm like, I feel uh-huh. like it, it's like uh, obscenity. I know it uh, when yeah. I see it. Um, wh- what did you think of the plot? Uh, it's, it's paper thin. Yep. Um, um, I, I mean, there's certain, there's certain aspects I like about the story. I do like the idea of robots falling in love because that's definitely a human emotion. I thought it wasn't played out very well. Um, but I did sort of feel bad when they both lost their energy, like when they were just out of reach of each other. Yeah. And they sort of come to that realization. So that I kind of liked. But I would say plot-wise, I would give it a two. Yeah, that's 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 respect <laughs> that's respectable. I don't think anybody would argue yeah. you on that. Um, I yeah. think I, I think I would give it a one point five, just because it's you, you do bring up good points, but it's just <laughs> I I there were so many missed opportunities and things that could have very easily been slightly tweaked, but it it. Just, like it's a robot movie, but there's so little robot stuff in it. Yeah, and that's that's it blows my mind. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a, more it's more like a movie for hikers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a 
you, they just go into a woods. They're, they're eating a bunch of raisins out of a Ziploc bag. It's a good time. Uh, what did you think of the acting? Um, I think their movements were very robotic. Uh, I think I think the makeup kind of helped define the characters a little bit more than the actual acting itself. Uh, I think I actually enjoyed all the human performances. Um, I liked Randy Quaid. I liked... Uh, I forget her name. Um, she was in the Blues Brothers. Uh, oh, um... Kathleen, Kathy... Kathleen Freeman. Kathleen Freeman. I thought she was good. I liked Christopher Guest. I thought he was fine. Um... But I mean, we're, the movie's so centered around the robots. Um, I like Catskill. I like the voice. Uh, and this, the robots, I mean, they weren't given any emotion to play off of. So I think I would also give it, I would also give it a two. Yeah, I, I'm just about with you. I'm, I'm being a little bit more generous. I'm thinking a 2.5 just because like, even though, uh, uh, a lot of these performances were robotic. I mean, that was a good thing for this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me an hour, nearly an hour to make that joke. Um, but <laughs> I, I definitely looking at Bernadette Peters and uh, Bernadette Peters in particular, she, she did really have the kind of robot um, jerky, unnatural movements down mm-hmm. pretty well. Like she did this thing when she walked, where it was like really like she took her time to kind of like, swivel and really put time into every action and uh i mean half of it was voice acting and like i uh, the guy that did um catskill he definitely sold it uh so yeah a 2.5 for me uh and then finally the humor i mean you would think this movie would be billed as a comedy but most of the jokes come from the goofy robot speak. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's not a lot of humor in it. Yeah, or like that whole thing where it's like, oh, yeah. they're, they don't understand this simple human concept that we all know. Yeah, yeah. And then the, really the, the comic relief is Catskill. Like, literally, he's the comic relief. Um, and I found myself enjoying his jokes, complete with rim shots. Oh yeah, that's programmed so, into him. So yeah, like a two point five. I won't go all the way down to two, but like just for Catskill alone, I I think I'd rather watch just Catskill on stage for like seventy eight minutes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you too. I I'm yeah. also giving it a two point five because, um, yeah, it, it it wasn't particularly funny, but I mean, like once in a while, little robot quirks. I enjoyed and Catskill he 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 brought it he sold it yeah so um looking at our other movies and kind of crunching the score crunching those numbers um Heartbeeps is just it we have a, an exact score of 2 we've never had a non like extreme decimal score but uh-huh. um this put hearts puts Heartbeeps just before um, it's just a tiny bit worse than the Matthew Broderick Inspector Gadget movie. Oh, <laughs> but I will the say robots don't fare well. No, uh, so I will say Heartbeeps is currently uh, the worst movie that we've reviewed on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so, so just off the top of your head, would you have like while you're watching the movie, did you think at any point, oh man, this is the worst movie I watched for the podcast? Hmm. I. I'm not sure. I think I I thought this. It definitely was kind of feeling sort of the bottom of the barrel. Also, we haven't we haven't really done a bad movie in a while. We've done because uh, I always like to ask my guests what movie they would like to do, and uh, people, I mean, re- reasonably so, want to choose movies that they enjoyed as a child. Uh-huh. But if it, it, it kind of was <laughs> uh, revitalizing to do a really crap show, but I I'm a little surprised at um, how close it was to Inspector Gadget. Huh. Which I haven't seen. You don't have to. It, yeah. <laughs> there's there's a lot of weird sex stuff in Inspector Gadget. Yeah. The, if I were to pick a movie that I actually enjoyed as a kid, um, 
mine are pretty classic. Like I liked, uh, I grew up on like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Christmas Story, um, uh, Wizard of Oz, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I can't think of any kind of more obscure, but mainstream kids movies that I enjoyed when I was a kid. I grew up with Star Wars, you know. Yeah, and, so you're uh, good. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't I didn't really watch kids movies per se. Uh, I mean, I would say like maybe Disney's Robin Hood. Like that's a movie I enjoyed a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then other than that, I can't really think of what I would like if you were to approach me and and say, "Hey, not a VHS era type of movie." I don't know what I would have picked. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I yeah. I also think like there's kind of a turning point now where it feels like that like just cuz there's so much being produced so people are producers are definitely i think trying to work a little bit harder to kind of break that mold and kind of make it mm-hmm. not just oh it's just a kind of an, a movie that you can just fall asleep in or something everybody wants to be really engaging yeah yeah, yeah. they're more family films mm-hmm. as opposed to just kids movies yeah like well one one that i liked as a kid that i watched a clip of the other day and it was terrible was i don't know if you've seen or heard of it we're back a dinosaur's story uh, I remember hearing about it. I was too old. I was like older when that came out. Yeah. If so, it's it's also another inexplicably short uh, movie. It's I think an hour and ten minutes, and mm-hmm. it's just um, about dino- somebody time travels and brings dinosaurs to the future, and then they become. It's a weird thing. There's there's a whole musical number in a parade where a bunch of dinosaurs are hanging out. Hmm. Also, another all-star cast has, like, John Goodman, Jay Leno's in it. It's crazy. Yeah. Huh. But, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that really pretty much does it for this review of Heartbeeps. Um, yeah, uh, Ralph, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Yeah, no, no problem. I'm sorry I put you through it. No, it's but fine. I guess I, mean, I feel kind of proud that I've I've introduced you to the worst movie you've reviewed on the podcast. Yeah, it really woke me up. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, obviously, you have uh, kind of your work with and came from the VCR. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else you would like to plug for uh, your your podcast? Yeah, check out my podcast. Uh, it's called um, the it's called the Kaiju Podcast, and me and my friend Jorge do. Uh, we, every other week, we uh, release a review of a different monster movie, whether it be Godzilla, King Kong, Gamera, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, if you don't know me from, it came from the VCR, you might know Jorge. He was on the show Lost, and he's currently on the show Hawaii Five-0. <laughs> So uh, if you if you like the, the guy who played Hurley on Lost, uh, he's my co-host. <laughs> I think we all do. And I mean, even if you've never seen Lost, if you like that one Weezer album. Yeah. I was at his house the day before that was announced and he told us about that. He had, he had a a copy of the CD and he's like, check this out. And we're like, what? Well, Weezer never really gave that much of an explanation. They were just like, yeah, we like, we like that character. Was that, was that really it? Yeah. And he, uh, I think he caught wind of it. And went down to their studio while they were recording the album. And they took a picture together. And then they just took that picture, folded it up, and made that the cover. So if you take out the liner notes, I believe it unveils the whole picture. Oh, okay. I think that's how it is. I have it somewhere in my house. But, yeah. Um, the Kaiju Podcast. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds great. What kind of draws you to uh, monster movies? Uh, it's just been like that since I was a kid. Um, I, I, you know, uh, like I said, I didn't, I can't really think of any movies that I watched when I was a kid, like kids movies, mm-hmm. but I like star Wars. And so I got heavily into action and science fiction and stuff. And so Godzilla movies were like the perfect sort of, uh, action, action and sci-fi without being like, you know, Terminator or RoboCop, you know, stuff that I could actually watch when I was a kid. Yeah. There was still violence and destruction, but it wasn't, you know, it was still fairly kid-friendly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, it's, I've been a fan since I was a kid. 
Yeah, I've I'm never I'm like still not much of a like horror or suspense kind of person, so <laughs> I'm I'm a classic worrier. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big into horror. You'll find very little horror movies on my on my account. Okay, well, same here. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, thank you uh, again so much for coming on. Uh, as always, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Mr. Wiseman, M-I-S-T-E-R-W-E-I-S-M-A-N, and find Kidflix Pod uh, all over the place, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, our podcast just got added to Stitcher a couple of weeks ago, so if you use Stitcher, feel free to do that. But uh, that's all for us here. Uh, Ralph, have a good one. And uh, uh, go, go, Gadget, and show.